was as if he'd kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. with Scott Brown and Nathan Snaid. Kia ora and good and Orvin from Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. You are with myself as per usual, Nathan Snaid, and my partner in crime over here, Scott Brown. It's the 3rd of May. The weather's bright, light, sunny, a little bit warmer. Nice to go for a run this morning, Scott Brown. You know what? It's show number 94. 94. I told you we'd be on time. <laughs> you bolted up those stairs, buddy. Someone had to be here. You still <laughs> you swallowing in the car park. Bolted up those Weather stairs. Weather is tonight. glorious outside, isn't it? Yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. You've been out exercising today? Well, yeah, uh, no, because no, we're coaching outside all day. Can't beat it. Getting a bit of colour on the back of the legs yep. and the back of the neck and the no, arms. You're, you're getting those arms, there's tan a little bit like the cyclists. They have the so, tan on the arms. You, you, you got a bit of bit of gunnage there. You've been hitting the gym? Been, been working out. No, 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 not at all. Bit of Ronnie Coleman. No. The right arm looks bigger than the left arm. Yeah, but yeah, we well, won't I'm, 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 I'm a squash player, mate. That's what happens. <laughs> um, is that one of the negatives about playing squash, is that it's always indoor? No, because particularly on a, on a day like today where, the, where it's warm, it's it's lovely to play. Like the ball's a little bit more lively, a bouncy, bouncier. Would you, be, would you be, as a player, would you be suited to when the ball's warmer or when the ball's colder? When the ball is warmer. No, no. I mean, you some would some players benefit from either or, or does everybody just benefit when the ball's warmer? Yeah, well, when the ball's warmer, it's it's a little bit livelier. It's not not dying down. You, you caught a bit of a glimpse of me running around a squash court today, getting getting one of the young lads to give you the run around. Oh boy, did he give me a booting today! But uh, all good. I certainly got put in my place. Um, training young Danny Hutchins for the European Small Nation Games, which are coming up in. Uh, what are they? A month three, three and a half weeks. Three and a half weeks away. So yeah. So uh, a few uh, big selection. Seven yep. seven selections camp this weekend, which we'll go into a uh, which we'll uh, we'll go into a little bit about what's coming up. As always, this is our um, domestic show. Um, Nathan, I believe you were chatting too much on uh, Sunday evening, so we've got a bit of an overspill. Oh, I didn't get enough. Yeah, um, man, with, from, with Mr. From, Sunshine, I from, was. What a from show. Sat, uh, from Sunday's show. As always, you can uh, get in comms with us, 62152 Um Yeah, um, one big question for me is, have you got another Ray Setterfield story? You've been reeling them out the last couple of weeks. I have I? got another story for you. We don't want it out just yet, but I have got a, got a, uh, a story... Uh, later on in the show. It wasn't a Ray Setterfield story, though. This one came from Wendy Graham. All right, we'll leave it at that because we said we weren't going to talk about it till later on in yeah, the show. No, we'll leave it to a little bit later. i got a story. I mean, as you know, we've had three stories. We had the incredible story of sportsman Daniel Lambert. Storyteller. should be like a different... Uh, <laughs> Jack and Nori, different yeah, show. Just yeah. the story time, isn't it? Story time with Nathan. Well, no, they're sports stories, so they're, they're, all, they're all good. So when we had boxing match that went for 42 rounds, we're the world's first 
motor race. And today I'm going to tell you about the story of the 100-year football curse. Looking forward to it already. Yeah. Um, as always, we start things off with uh, sport and its history in the world today. A few, uh, few funny ones out there. Um, well, obviously we've got the well, the World Snooker Championships has just finished, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the last well, it was, it was scheduled. The last play was supposed to be on Monday, but actually it finished on on Sunday. I did believe. you see the the chaps? Not the chaps. I think one got, one was a guy and one was a girl. But they did the the protest where they uh, jumped on. They jumped on. And what was it with chalk or something? Uh, I think they threw a. a, a, a orange dye out over the table didn't they a, a just stop oil campaign they've caused themselves a, a bit of a nuisance because they of course uh what would you say 118 people got arrested at aintree the week earlier yeah that's right yeah. that's right i know but w- whether it's the same whether it's the same outfit uh, making a protest but go and make a protest out with uh, elsewhere would you because we like our sport and we like it to be left alone um but yeah what a what a win Actually, from um, uh, from Bissell, wasn't it? The, the, a Belgium. He's the first non-British. Well, not the first non-British player. He's the first European. Let's say, could you say that? Yeah, first European to to win mainland mainland European to win the snooker championships since when? Ever in the history. How? Where's he from then? Belgium. Luke, ah, mainland. Luke, 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 mainland. I was mainland, about to say because yeah. obviously I know nothing about squash, by, uh, not, not about squash, but snooker. But obviously I know who Stephen Hendry is, Ronnie O'Sullivan. But obviously they're from the the British Isles, aren't they? Yeah, we'll give you a bit of snooker fact. In 1999, World Snooker Championship at the Crucible and Theatre in Sheffield, which is known as I guess the home of snooker, Stephen Henry of Scotland defeat Welshman Mark Williams 18-11 for a record seventh world crown. Now last year, 2022. Obviously, the same venue. Uh, venue. Englishman Ronnie Sutherland won his equaling seventh world title crown with an 1830 win, 18-13 win over countryman Judd Trump. Now, 2003, we know that Luca Bristol won on on Sunday evening, who's from uh, Belgium. But he's there's only several other non-British players to win. Cliff Thorburn did it in 1980. He's a Canadian. Ken Doherty, the Irishman, in 1997, and in 2010 it was Neil Robinson from Australia. So, could snooker develop in Europe like darts has? Do you think? No, sir. It's an, it's an odd one, isn't it? Have you ever played on a real snooker table? Yes, and it is bloody hard. It's massive. The tables yeah. are massive, aren't they? Yeah. We was on a stag do a couple of years ago, and basically to entertain ourselves for a couple of hours, well, like, the games don't last very long, and to be honest, we move on to the pool halls very quickly. But, yeah, I mean, you go in, there's just all these tables around, and it's... Yeah, it's very, very, very difficult. Is there a, lot, one thing is there playing, a lot of money in it? Uh, 500000 for the winner. Really? It's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of which, or just to put things just to put things out there, um, the World Championship squash uh, is taking place. I think t- starts tomorrow in um, in Chicago. It is the Volta the Volta family, um, and that event is five hundred thousand for the men's draw and five hundred thousand for the women's draw. So the winner gets twenty percent. The winner gets twenty percent of that, or sixteen percent, I believe. So it just puts things out there of how big the snooker is in in, in, in the UK or in, in the world. In fact, now that there's a uh, now there's a European European mainlander to win. So is it is it is it a sport that's you know flagging a little bit? You know when you you think of 
snooker takes a long time to play it and it's not a very I'm talking about for the current generation do the youngsters sit and watch can they sit and watch snooker matches and, and all the highlights and that sort of stuff personally I'm not into it but I've got mates that will sit there and watch it for hours like we would like we would watch cricket yeah I suppose so I mean have yourself have you ever sat, sat through what so 30 frames of uh 30 Never. I mean, I've stuck it on and watched it. And I mean, if you turn it on and someone's on a, a 147 on a break, you know, that's yeah, impressive my, my, to uh, that's impressive to watch. Isn't I it? mean, we, uh, certainly, as you say, we know the, the names of obviously Stephen Hendry. We know the names of Ronnie Sutherland. Uh, Jimmy, White. Jimmy, Jimmy White. Jimmy White, another one. Oh, well done. British names, aren't they, primarily, what you, what you think of. Yeah. But now, Luca... Luca Bristol, so Indeed, congratulations. Yeah. In uh, in 1910, the Intercollegiate Athletic Association of the United States of America is renamed the National College Athletic Association, the NCAA. It's quite. We, we've been using that quite a bit in our yeah. shows recently because a lot of content's been coming out of it. they haven't come up and tried to change the name. That's normally what happens when you get comfortable with something, they change the name, don't they? Hey, NCAA's... Uh, Rolls off the t- rolls off the rolls off the tongue for us. Uh, Nineteen twenty, ten years later, was the first National Negro Baseball League played in Indianapolis. I never knew that they had one, but in the face of harder economic times, that league folded after uh, nineteen thirty one. So eleven, um, yeah, eleven years of a, in, of a Negro. In, in, interestingly, when you talk about harder economic times, obviously you get into the business end of the Peaky Blinders now. It's sort of the end of uh, yeah. end of uh, season five, and that's what they talk about—the big Wall Street crash in 1929 which obviously is uh, had an impact on the baseball you see (laughs) interesting now this story in 1962 is going to relate to the story that I have uh, from Wendy Graham Uh, as a European Cup final in Amsterdam and uh, is it Eusebio Eusebio is a famous famous player I don't know how to pronounce it uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I've certainly seen Usubio. his name. We'll Usubio. say Usubio. Usubio. Well, he scored twice as the defending champions Benfica beat Real Madrid 5-3. Hungarian icon uh, Pushkash, he hit all three for Madrid. So we'll come back on and, and touch on that a little, bit, um, a little bit later. 1970 was the first woman jockey at the Kentucky Derby, Diane Crump. Now, we've got good friend uh, Tony Whiteman, who's over there at the moment, uh, <laughs> I believe, watching the Kentucky Derby with a few uh, a few other local uh, Luxembourgers. But uh, we don't often, in well, sport and the history today, we don't often um, discuss women because we're normally going back some time where very few women were, were, were playing. Or allowed to play, isn't it? Allowed to play or playing sports. So we'll try, and, um, we'll try and up our game on that and see what we can... Here's one for you. Um, obviously, you know, it's fairly early on in the year still. It's the 123rd day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. So hopefully you've started this year with a bang. If you haven't, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait 232 more days until you can start next year. Next year's my year, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a fair way to go yet. 1952, the first aeroplane landed at the geographic North Pole on May the 3rd, 1952. US Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Joseph O. Fletcher and Lieutenant William Pershing Benedict, along with their scientist Albert Crary, landed in a modified Douglas C-47 Skytrain at the North Pole. Do you think that they'd obviously been to the North Pole before? Do you think they'd they'd skied across it? Or do you think that was the first time ever to be on the North Pole on that geographical point? No, no, not at all. I'd say they'd been there before, but I'd say obviously the lander plane... You know, you're not landing on wheels, you're landing it on skis, aren't you? There's no pens in here, mate. Um, <laughs> I was looking around. And, uh, <laughs> and one last one. Happy birthday to Brooks Kupka. 
American golfer, obviously won the US Open in 2017 and 18, and the PGA Championship in 2018-19. He was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. Have you started, I mean, obviously Peaky Blinders is on in your household at the moment, but have you watched Not at the, the moment, I hope, because you're not allowed to watch it unless the other person's present. Oh. The- <laughs> so I hope, hope the other party is respecting uh, you never. Well, I hope. Rules, I, I, right? I, I, I'm sure I'll get. A, I'm sure I'll get a text. You message. might get a message in. Well, I hope all households are <laughs> by, that, by that by that law. <laughs> yeah, you can't just you can't just crack on. I, do you I know tell you what's good to see here. You've got such positive laws and enforced laws and so it's your all about household. expectations, Nathan. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on a local sport here, um, the ladies the, uh, in Luxembourg, the FLF. The draw for the group stages took place uh, yesterday at the UEFA HQ in Neon, Switzerland. Um, the idea behind this is to um, replace a number of friendly matches. Um, and so they've, you know, ma- more matches have got more purpose. So this season will be its first season, 23-24. Each member is divided into three leagues, A, B, C, based on your ranking. And within these divisions, you play in smaller groups of three or four, you know, so you're sort of grouped on your uh, I guess on your ability or teams who, who are you're going to be competitive with obviously you play each team twice home and away uh, they'll start in September Luxembourg been grouped with Turkey Lithuania and Georgia and presumably if you top the group well, obviously, if you top the group, you then go into the playoffs to then get promoted up to the next it's, level. That's fabulous because that's exactly the same system that yep. the uh, that the men's have. So obviously, um, yeah, oh, I think we have to be happy with UEFA to uh, catch up. I don't know how how long has the, that that league been going on for? No, no, that's that's going to no, but, that, but, but the men's league has only been going on for two seasons. Yeah, yeah, well, it's always going to follow suit, so, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, to be fair, we're not that far behind, but yeah, it's good that we're having. Um, Something to play uh, to, for, to, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, but begs the question, is there too much international football going on at the moment? Well, th- I think with this league, you, you, I think it's a fair point. I think there's too much cricket going on. <laughs> as you know, as we've discussed, as we've said, there's so much, uh, yeah. So Funny much. when you when you talk about rugby and uh, you always hear about player burnout, don't you? Yeah, very often. Do you hear it about football? Yeah, a little bit. You never hear about cricket though, do you? And there are instances of players who have burnt out. I'll give you two great examples. Marcus Triscothic, Jonathan Trott. You know, they were, you know, two people who were exceptional cricketers for England, but struggled with the, you know, obviously the uh, the, the mental side of being away from home for because, so long. Because with cricket, you're away for a very long time. You yeah. think you could go down to New Zealand, you're there for, the, you're, you're there for a what? You, <laughs> you have a warm-up series versus Australia on, on, on route, maybe a quick 2020 or a couple of one-days. Then you go down and you play you play your uh, one one a couple of one-day series, maybe two test matches, then a little knock you of 2020. Really, no, sometimes you don't go home. So you could be out to India and you could be out to Australia in no time at all. I remember reading somewhere, Stuart Broad, he was on tour... Now, did he? Was it? Did he? Was he on tour, or did he stay in a hotel for something like two hundred and seventy days? That's a lot, I isn't it? I couldn't think of anything worse myself. One, one, one of the big things I remember we come excited to bring it back to squash. But when I was a, a, a youngster playing, I didn't. I mean, it was all nice to go away for for the weekend to stay in a hotel. It was all right, but to go away and always be staying at hotels one after the other, uh, no, nah, it's not that really. Wasn't for me to to be honest. Two hundred. So he's he's only at home for what uh, less than less eighty days. Yeah, not even. Which is which is you know it's not a great deal of time. Uh, another one for you. RCL are running their second ladies' days, and they've linked up with the uh, the FLR. 
Federation Luxembourgeois de Rugby and Touch Rugby Luxembourg. Um, it's their second one. It's going to run on the 14th of May from 10am till 1pm at Boy Conan in Sassange. Uh, it's free to attend. Um, the first event, they had over 50 women aged from the 6 up to 54. Um, and following... Uh, the success of this first ladies day obviously the weather will be much better um so they just want to you know keep getting more women involved in the in the sport and there's always no experience um no previous experience necessary um it's just to simply enjoy it great to see they're, they're kicking on from the first day that they had it's not just a uh not just a one-off on on top of that i know the rcl corporate touch got started on tuesday evening yep. which runs from half seven till nine fifteen every tuesday um, till the start of July. So, you know, if you haven't got a team, I'm sure they're still looking for players up there. Get in touch. Yep, and, I've got uh, that in front of me now. There's still slots to help in the buffet as well. Contact Joe. <laughs> That's a surprise that Joe's in the old, uh, in the, in the, in the buffet. Tournament controlling, refereeing, they need, always need a, a, a few of those. It's always, a, well, it's good to get involved in part of the game. So if you're a player, you can try refereeing as well. Contact Steve Dan. Up. Steal yeah. a couple of sausages. And if you want, as well. and, and Hamish is your point of contact if you're uh, wanting to join a team. Well, there you go. You heard it here. Um, RCL Touch, get in touch Tuesdays. Moving forward. Uh, also, we uh, have obviously reported quite a lot on the basketball, the domestic scene in Luxembourg. We were lucky enough to be at the uh, the uh, the Lux Cup, Cup final. finals, which was fantastic. Um, so, in the ladies' basketball, it's best of five, okay? And this one was Grenzvold were 2-1 up. So it went to the fourth game. They prevailed against T71 Dudelange and have completed the championship double. They've obviously won the championship and they obviously won the uh, won the cup under... What's the word you would use? Suspicious? No. Um, well, they won it. Ultimately, I think they won it. Is it fair and square? Yeah, I think so. Ultimately, they won, it, they, they won it. They won it in the final. They won, they won, they won it, it fair you know? and square in the final. They were too um, good. We 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 watched well, it. We've no. got to say controversial. I think Controver- the controversial controversial in the semis. But, but uh, credit credit to them. Uh, in the end, they won their fourth game, eighty nine to seventy seven, twenty four twenty two in the first quarter, twenty four twenty eight in the uh, second quarter, and then they pulled away in the uh, in the third quarter, twenty two eleven, and then finished up nineteen sixteen. Best scorer was Sam Logic with 29 points. Now, on the flip side, the men's the basketball. Men's, what happened in the men's, mate? Well, that also went to a fourth game, okay? Now, Esch are the champions of Luxembourg this year after winning 82 points to 71, in, as I said, in the fourth match. Um, this is the second championship in their history. The first, they actually won during the corona season, which was obviously quite disjointed. Um, it was quite balanced at the start and Steinzels were ahead 21-16 after eight minutes played. But Esch went in at the break 44-38. to Um the uh, second half started slowly for Esch. Steinzel went on a 10-2 run. Um, but um, Esch started the third quarter, seven points ahead, and Steinzel just couldn't close the gap. Steinzel were missing Bob Melcher, who was out for this match due to injury. And by the sounds of it, they really missed him. Um, we saw most of those players on show. Jordan Hicks, we've got teed up. Obviously, now he is finished with that business. He'd be more than happy to join us. So it'll be great to uh, get some uh, insights from him. Um, just upcoming this week, Weekend. 
it'd be rude not to talk about RCL's massive game against Cologne, which kicks off at three o'clock at Sessange. Top of the table in Bundesliga 2 West. The winner will almost certainly top the league and secure a home semi-final in the playoffs. Uh, Cologne is already top of the pile with 42 points after nine matches. Wolfenange are on 29 points after nine matches as well. Um, RCL are on 24 points but they've only played six of their matches. So they've still got three matches plus the Cologne game in hand. So they so that, will... Would that be pretty challenging for them, knowing that they've got, if they've got, like they've still got, what do you say, four more, uh, three more matches to play, then they've got, and then let's say they, they finish on, on top, then they've got another semi-finals and finals. So they've no, still got like I, five or I, six I, games of footy, or that momentum helped them carry through. Yeah, think? no, absolutely. I actually think the, I've not seen RCL's uh, fixture list um, but if they've got four games to go, or five collected, because you hear if they if they beat win well, the semi final, yeah, then they've got finals. So they've got three plus those two. You know, five matches, hopefully six. You know, they'll get to the final and hopefully win that and go back up to B one. That's what the plan is. But um, yeah, I believe they've got matches on consecutive weekends, which is a is a good thing. And it's my one criticism of the the league in Germany. It's very. You know, you play a couple of games, you rest for a couple of weeks. Nah, you need to be playing every week. So hopefully that will that will obviously benefit them. Cologne, mm, I just think, I mean, we went up there with Wolfer. We, we weren't at full strength. We took a bit of a pump in. I think it was 27-0 or something. But um, yeah, I just think RCL will have too much for them. Um, yeah. Are there, um, what about the cup competition do you play a cup competition within Bundesliga 2 you used to you used to so when I first came out here we played against um, you You uh, all the Div 2 teams and Div 1 teams are put all into a pot and you're playing the German Cup and you could be playing anywhere and we were quite lucky so when we played it we had to host Cologne who were in fact in our league at the time uh, and we beat them and then we got drawn against a Div 1 team in the Northern Division, which is weaker than the Southern Division, because obviously the rugby hotbed in Germany is around Heidelberg. You know, that's, the majority, that's where all the big clubs are based. Um, and yeah, we gave them an absolute hiding. We stuck about 90 points on them. And then we were drawn against Frankfurt in the third round. And at one point we, we were going to play it because I'm a big believer in playing all these matches. But it got to the stage where we were like, well, we've got this semi-final, potentially a final. You know, do you want it to do? It's it, you're just trying to fit games in at the end of the year, and it's it just doesn't work. It's a, it's a, it's a weird one because I don't think you were. Well, did you get in trouble if you didn't fulfil the fixture or something like that? I can't remember. Or you might have got a fifty euro fine or something. So it's not really, it never really it's took not really a punishment, the cup, the cup, is it? The cup stuff needs to be more more localised. But I don't really want to get into the what's wrong with German rugby at the moment. But you know, you need to localise it, and then the teams that want to. Go can, well in it, can. Can know, go put, on put, further. Put a bit more into it and go a bit further. But yeah, that'll be a... I mean, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to watch it because a lot of the lads, we obviously have this small state game. So camp. you go as far as Berlin... Uh, Bundesliga will go as far as Berlin. Yeah. Hamburg. Yeah. But it depends. Munich. It's, split, it's, it's split. North and south. North and south. So if you okay. went up to B1, yeah, you'd, you'd almost certainly... There's a team from Munich... Okay, so you've been, we'll be in, we'll be in, yeah, yeah, we'll be in the, in the, in the Southern League. I mean, it's it's interesting if you've got. It depends what you. And and what, who who's the top team from the north? Because we know Frankfurt, uh, Frankfurt eighteen eighty are probably the strongest. Couldn't, couldn't tell you actually. To be fair, Frankfurt drew with uh, Neuenheim. Um, Neuenheim, sorry. So it's quite close in that league at the moment. You've got, in the first division, you probably got three of them, but only two can go up. And what will happen is the two teams first will play second from. 
the North and they'll win. And second will play first from the North as well and they'll win that. So it'll be two teams from the South that'll play in the final. Yeah. That's always traditionally yeah. what's happened. RCL seem to be one of those teams that are obviously at the... The, the the top of, the top of B two and the kind of the bottom of B one haven't they they've been going going up and down they're in that yeah. they're just in that phase so it, I think how it do you uh, your... is it, is it, is it a, it's obviously a monetary thing if you can bring it bring in a few a few better players that will that that will help the team but then how does that that also probably cuts out the opportunity for um for, for some of the younger fellas oh, look at the two young fellas that we had here I mean I don't you know not that they'd be up to playing with with the adults I wouldn't think just yet but I think it's it's about having a happy you know, something, yeah, something in the middle. You gotta, you need to get players from outside to compete at that level. Of course, you do, but you need to be prepared to bring the youngsters through. Um, and it's one of those, you know, having, having played, you know, two a couple of seasons up there. It's it's one of those ones where if you're at home, generally there isn't a problem. But it's still, away games, you need to be picking up picking up points and stuff like that. And you know, all of a sudden, if you're you know, you play what? There are eight teams in the division, so you've got fourteen matches. So you're going to target your seven home games. But are you even going to get close to the top three? Mm, probably not. But then you've also got to say, you know, you know, you've got to try and save your best team and your best players to play against the not as I don't want to say weaker teams, but not as strong teams. So you know, all of a sudden, from a fourteen game season, you could have ending up. You could only have, I don't know, six, six seven, eight games. games yeah, that you really. might, that's to take nothing away from them. You know, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Hopefully they've got a, a core of young lads who, who don't have kids and, and girlfriends yeah. and stuff like and that. And give but up what, that about, what about a fan, you know, a, a fan base? Do they go away to the to the tournaments, uh, to the to the away games? No. no. What about what about the other teams? Do they have... The other, uh, the other teams have a well, bit one, of, one of the Frankfurt came down last year, didn't they? And they, the Frankfurt football team didn't have a match, did they? You were there. Didn't they bring down all the ultras and one of them set off a flare or something? All the footballers were down making a racket before the game and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting one. I mean, I don't know. This It's just a bit different. I don't think any of the old boys... I don't think Paolo goes to the away games or anything like that. I wouldn't have thought so. If he does, fair play to him, but I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. But yeah. Why not? Um, why not? Also, why not? Um, I'm sure we'll talk about some more rugby later on. Um, badminton. You've got the Yonex Open. This weekend, okay, starting on uh, on Thursday, you've got the qualification round. They are playing all day from nine o'clock in the morning till ten at night. There will be matches playing. You've then got the first and second round uh, on Friday, and uh, the first rounds from between nine o'clock and three o'clock, and then the second round will be from between three and ten. And then on Saturday, uh, between ten and two, you've got the quarterfinals, uh, semifinals from between four and eight o'clock, and then the finals. Hopefully, bringing home the bacon between 10 and 2 so they can get that evening flight home after doing the business so they will be playing that at the cock I believe is that yeah, right? right yep go down won't we yep. could be a good it could, could be a look particularly on Sunday afternoon um, yeah Sunday morning Sunday afternoon go down you fancy yourself at a bit of baddie don't you well your, your mum was a fabulous badminton player yeah she tell you she, that she, as well <laughs> did she, she didn't teach you any uh, any tips and tricks no she just tell me she wouldn't get out of bed to play against people like me you know <laughs> good on her good um, on her Nathan you, you alluded to this story that you were going to tell us about I think you should just crack it out now You're obviously from... previously we talked about the larger than life Daniel Lambert we also had the boxing match that went for 42 rounds which was illegal which was also um, viewed by the 
the Prime Minister and other assorted royalties and stuff were all seen running away yeah, I, into I, I, the, I, I mean, I would, the marshes I would, I would, and Wouldn't stuff? it be great if we could have, could have seen that match and seen the, in the Prime Minister? They should bring out a film about <laughs> See that. the Prime Minister going out the back door running away from the, from the police. You, that was you a good know who I am. The good one. Um, and then the world's first motor race as well. You talked yeah, about that. that. But you're going to talk to us about the 100-year football, football course. course. Nathan, go on, crack that on. That seems to be working. That all came back to that day that I referred to earlier. It was, it was actually May the 2nd in 1962 and it's is the team Benfica are they cursed now obviously we know that they are um, they, they're the mega club which are based in, in, in Lisbon but they won historic back to back European victories in 61 and 62 now but since then despite reaching the European finals eight times they have never actually won and that is because of a claim that a curse was pla- was placed on them by their former coach on the club in 1962. Now that coach, Bella Gutman. Now his side had just won the 62 European Cup for a miraculous second year in a row against the mighty powers of Real Madrid, who obviously even still to, still to this day are considered the best team in the world. Now after their uh, after the victory, Gutman. Sure of his worth, he naturally asked the uh, the, the Benfica uh, hierarchies, the, or the board, let's say, for a 65% pay rise. I think if you'd have done that now, you would have got it no problem at all. You, know, you go and win the European Cup, lad. You two can. years in a row, and the latter being against uh, uh, Real Madrid, and as, as we just said, that was, uh, it was Pushkas that got those goals for Real Ma- Madrid. But furious with their answer, because the board refused... He's then pronounced, not in a hundred years from now will Benfica ever be crowned European Championships. So, as we know, they still haven't won to this day, so the curse is still on. But let me tell you about Mr. Gutman. He was a colourful character, even in sport, full of larger-than-life personalities. He was born in 1899 in Budapest. He was actually a dancer before he became a football player. Um, he played for a number of teams, actually, he often moving from uh, Hungary to Austria and even the US and back. He's a Jewish uh, Hungarian who survived the Holocaust. I, uh, that was uh, not to say many of his friends and family did not. And then he became a football coach in Europe Brazil and wherever he went he attracted controversy he was let go from uh, AC Milan in 53, uh, 53 after a feud with the club's board but that was not the only only club that he had a, had a, um, a feud with now he came to be greater prominence in Portugal managing Porto yes that's what you would argue that they were the arch rivals um, and he won the National League with them, but he was obviously offered a better deal by Benfica, and he jumped ship, obviously winning that first European Cup final in 61. In his second season with Benfica, he um, controversially sacked 20 of the club's most senior players, Okay, and that's when he bought the the, the player we mentioned before, Eusebio, uh, how, how did I pronounce that Eusebio. name? Eusebio. That's when, um, who came from Mozambique, that's when he, um, he purchased him, um, and he'd actually, to be fair, he'd actually swiped them from under the noses of of uh, Porto, um, he was he was obviously uh, well, he was obviously he was an an attacking free flowing style um, of play is how we like to play his football. He said, "I never minded if the opposition scored because I always thought we could score more." Great see, attitude, you, almost you, Fergie tactic. Have you watched that? You must have watched Mike Bassett 
I've shown you the clip of the changing room speech. Right? Yes, like, yeah, brilliant, yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. So, Wait, how come we haven't got that on on our? Um, I think we'll sort that out. We, we, we need to get that Mike Bassett, <laughs> Mike Bassett. Yeah. Oh, just, just, uh, like, just, oh. just, just to jump in there. Sorry. So when you say I never minded if the opposition scored because I always thought we could score score more. Oh. There's uh, when they when a scene ends in that they'll put up these quotes and one of the quotes they put up in that film is like yeah. I'm a big believer if the opposition score. If we score once, the opposition have to score twice, twice. to win. It's just like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, in that time, in, in the 62, the old uh, the psychological tactics, they, they, they weren't as common, or they weren't as, uh, what do you Weren't, weren't as featured as they 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 are because now they're a commonplace the old psychological games. But he took great pains before the '62 final to install his team belief that they could win despite being the underdogs. Um, but yeah, however, Benfico's greatest player and Gutman's biggest star, Eusebio, can certainly seems to believe in the curse's power because in 1990, before Benfica played AC Milan in the European Cup final in Vienna, he visited Gutman's grave in the city to make a plea that he ended the curse from beyond the grave. In 2014, he was... Um, yeah, that was there. That was, that match was in 2014, and it didn't take it didn't take because they got beaten four two on penalties to Sevilla. So perhaps in today's world of total football, where there's a psychological edge is key, maybe Gutman's curse is still working. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Well, not brilliant for Benfica, but another story. Another story. What do they say in England? Another. Uh, is it Jack and Jack and another tale, Jack and? But I would thank Wendy Graham for. Uh, for providing me with entertainment, Scott, I've got one for you. Just an, just another one before we dabble into all these must watches because I know we've got that today. Um, did you do an Italian job? Because you went to Italy last week. Yes, you I went on the Sunday show. I was in Verona. Can you give us a little bit of the update? Because you took what? How many kids did you take away? It's just a good question. How many? How many did we come back with? How many were you responding? How many did you come back with? How many did you go? I want to say twenty. <laughs> 22, maybe 24. With how many With how many other coaches? Four. Four, four other coaches? Four members of staff. Um, yeah, so we, we went out to... Uh, to play a uh, fo- football, I believe. Yeah, it's called the Med Cup, um, and it's, um, it's run by an Irish guy, actually, and it's he set it up. He lives out there. Um, an issue with a couple of teams, but it's really grown. There were 38 boys' teams. Oh, wow. Um, so they have 12 pitches, so you play on half a, half a, half a full pitch. Um uh, and 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 what, seven, seven aside, uh, boys and girls, just boys, just girls, just boys, just, just boys. girls, separate boys, separate boy, girls competition. So the boys competition had thirty eight teams. I think the girls had twenty eight teams. The girls were really are really good. They got two girls who play uh, for the national team, um, and then unfortunately in their semi final. <laughs> The uh, with the striker who was top goal scorer of the whole tournament smashed her head against someone, split her eyebrow open, um, and so had to go and get stitches. So they lost the semi final, and then they actually ended up not getting to the final, and then losing the uh, third, fourth place playoff as well. Um, but yeah, those the, the girls team were yeah good, some good players there. The boys are gonna have to blow my own trumpet here a little bit. We had we had a, we had a decent team. Um, the, uh, if any of them are listening in, you know, um, unfortunately couldn't take our strongest team because there was an incident concerning lift technicians and such. And I'll tell you after okay, I'm not doing okay. it on here. <laughs> um, but yes, they had a decent team. And obviously I'm 
Um, obviously, I, I came quite on late to see him. Unfortunately, James Roberts, who passed away, um, was a member of staff of St. George's, so I was asked to come in and cover for him. Um, so I didn't really know the team that I was uh, uh, going to... Um, you know, going to coach. coach. I knew the boys from PE, but not from a football point of view. Um, I knew a couple of lads who played rugby and stuff. Um, and the, the the funny thing about going out to something like that is you have an opinion of most of the students before you see them outside of school. And uh, it's fair to say my opinion changed of some of the students, but is I have a worse opinion of some of the students as well. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we went out and um, we played the first two games and we drew nil all now obviously i was getting angry because i was like why don't you shoot like are you afraid of scoring or whatever like all i ever wanted to do was just kick the ball as hard as possible and try and score but I, for whatever reason we, we i don't think we barely had a shot um and then we lost our did we lose our third game i think we lost our third game one nil and i was like we still haven't had a shot and so i was chatting to the captain uh, who's who's a very athletic lad, a little bit taller than me, which, you know, for a year nine, he's, yeah. he's quite a big lad, he'll go a bit bigger, but haven't watched him move in other sports and, he, you know, he can play football. So I was like, right, we'll, we'll put you up front. We'll stick one of the other lads in goal. Yeah, sure enough, scored two, didn't he? Oh. Uh, and then uh, he's got a hat-trick in the next game. And then, oh, well done. And then, uh, we, yeah, we just started, just started scoring goals. Just had, a different dynamic. We, we had to have a few arguments and stuff about who was going in goal for the next game and stuff, and there was a bit of reverse psychology going on, shall we say. Yeah. Um, but we ended up finishing, I think, fourth in our group. So I think we're in a group of seven. And then what they do from there is if you finish top two, you go into the elite. So you go into the Champions League. Second, uh, Third, you go into the... Europa League fourth you go into the conference so it's all like staggered and stuff so you could you play you know you have all your uh, tougher um, um, you know you play you can play some tough games you play some easy games but you sort of the hope is that you'll find your level towards the end of it and then the next day you're put into a pool of all the other teams that finished third and fourth as well um, and then we we won all our games did we win all our games we might have drawn one um, but the boys really started to enjoy it and stuff like that. And I'd be much more of a, I don't get too fussed on the tactics and stuff, be more of a, a motivator and, you know, to be honest, to... my thing was just getting everyone to play yep. as much as possible and maybe not always playing your strongest team, starting different players and stuff, giving them all opportunities and stuff. And then we played the, uh, so we played the semi-final. So you, you play your next four or five games. And then from that, you're like, yep, you're going into a semi-final. Um, either the gold or silver, silver bracket. So everyone keeps playing until the last moment. So everyone plays the same number of games. And we played this, uh, we played a Spanish team. Can't even remember where they're from, but they had beaten one of the teams we'd drawn against. We're like, oh, this can be tough. So we played the game and um, we, we, I, I brought this thing in and we basically talked about how, we talked about tempo. So, you know, how you try and speed up the game. And, and one of my things, just watching the first couple of games was like, right, corners don't mess around goal kicks slow it down a little bit but throw-ins is the big one because everyone goes like this you know to see what's going on they like to settle and I was like um get the ball and launch it in and we had these two lads at the back Will Huckle who you've probably yes, yeah, you'll be yeah, familiar yeah. with and another lad Italian lad today and make these boys uh Will's obviously a rugby player today should play rugby but plays football short stocky Italian lad and make these boys could launch the ball like 
you know, like you proper, see a proper biff. Yeah, absolutely launched the ball in, and when they started to understand that as soon as the ball crossed the line, they get it, and, and we, uh, yeah, in the in the in the semi final, the lad. Uh, Benji were put up front was the goalkeeper but I think the ball went off after about 10 seconds and he ran got the ball launched it there to centre back stood there really. like Lemons going can you do that and he's already gone round and bang 1-0 up and it was just brilliant to watch because um, obviously I was working with Aaron and Aaron's obviously much more of the football noise uh, for a lack of a better <laughs> word um, and um, we uh, so he was with the girls at this point so it was like just you know, just sort of sat there. Just I was just trying to watch the game. It's like if I was coaching rugby, I don't like to sit on the side of the pitch. I like to sit towards the back, just so you can see everything that's going on. You know, sometimes you want to scream. What, like James, like James Kent back? Well, James Kent got that idea from me. Oh, know. did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> just to say. Um, but yeah, just watch the game and then we got another guy. You know, it was a nervy match. It was good to watch and yeah, I was really buzzing for them. They won three 0 and then we played in the we. So that meant we were playing in the final, in the, final the next yep. day. But that was so you're, for your classification. That's to finish seventeenth out of the competition because you're not in the top two tiers. Yep. Um, yeah, and the boys won one nil. But then afterwards, I was like, me being me, I was like, that was probably our worst game. And then we all had a laugh about it. But that's the way it goes, isn't yep. it? You know. Yep. Um, but no, great, great fun. Um, credit to. Uh, Senor Lemon, Aaron Lemon, who yeah. obviously uh, organised all of that, and uh, you know, thank you for obviously bringing me in um, after what happened to James. I find um, it interesting what you said there about um, you know your relationship or what you think of it, even as a teacher, what you think of the student. But when you go away with that student, or when you see that student performing, or the way they deal with the pressures, or the way they deal with losses or, or victories, sometimes it can change your mind. Oh, massively! It's funny. Actually. We were talking about it on we were talking about it on Sunday with with David and Daniel of, of how you know like with that, that education. It's really good to see your athletes sometimes out of the out, out of the classroom because you have a completely different or you can get a, yeah. a different that's different the, angle. That's the beauty about being a, a sports coach or a, a sports teacher, I guess, if you like. Is I get to see these kids who may be struggling in the classroom and in their element. So I might have kids who I know. In fact, I know I teach kids who are an absolute nightmare if you sit them down in a classroom. But I never, you never, never. say that. And it could be, you know, from an expectation point of view, you know, it could be going old school, you know, yeah, go and run around the farmer's field, go and have an 800 metre run, think about it, come back. You want to go again? Yeah, you go again. You know, we have that that luxury of, I don't want to use the word punishment, but do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's just a different way. What was I about to say there? I was going to say something really funny. Not me. Uh, <laughs> not, not, me there. not me. Not me out of my sink. But um, yeah, thanks again to Aaron for obviously getting me involved. Great fun. When's the next one? Uh, well, that was being discussed today, so I'm not going to. I won't break it on here. Break few, it on few, few tournaments, okay. few few other sporty bits. I'd love to take a, a rugby team over to Roslyn Park just to to show out. It's like it's actually it's, it's like, just a, like a St George team or an RCL yeah, team yeah, or St. even a, is a school. It's a schoolboy tournament. Schoolboy tournament. Okay, it just popped into my head when you talk about you see kids in different lights. Anybody listening has seen that video doing the rounds oh, yeah. of uh, the Kiwis? Oh, you soft airs, bro! Wow, actually, it came out. I don't have the notes with me, but which I never got to go through it on 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 Sunday. But it actually came out that um, the um, well the coach got called out obviously because it's it circulated oh, mate. yeah so but fair play I think that the unions and and ultimately the the society handled it pretty well because of the guy the if, if you if you know what we're talking about it was a social media clip of um, of a coach talking to his what 10 
10 year old kids maybe max 10 year old kids who had, um, were playing rugby and he was giving them a hard time using he wasn't using the best language um, when you say about language that's really funny because if, if I stick my teaching hat on you're talking about pupil talk now I'm not condoning swearing in the classroom or anything like that but you say teachers shouldn't speak to students like that, but you know for a fact that's how they talk to each other on the playground. Do you know what I mean? That's right, but ultimately we are role models and we should have a better, uh, a wider... A jersey pull in, uh, can't say that. <laughs> you can't say it. But yeah, we should also have a... We should should be able to express ourselves in, in, in better ways, let's say, or take the time to think. But sometimes when you want the reaction, if you use some of the... Yeah. If you use that language, you can, you can get it. Don't oh. get me wrong, I had my daughter on the squash court today, so I had to use a little bit of colourful language. And when she has heard that from me okay yes heard that she knew that that's where it stayed yeah. and we've known we in the in the in the um on, on on rugby fields we've heard it all before that that sometimes that's where it uh that's where it well, just just on that one as well when you talk about i remember when i was doing a lot when me, james and i were coaching rcl sometimes we'd walk off the pitch at half time and i would go do you want me to go mad here at like you know do you want me to give him a rocket half time and sometimes you could fly off the handle um but you can't do it all the time. No, because it's, to, because it's not so. It's not no, effective. Exactly. You've it's, got to, you've got to, impact, you're look, it? Well, you're looking for a reaction, aren't you? But anyway, mate, there is a summer of well, summer the next the next us. month, even the next month. Yeah, the next this is a ridiculous month, amount. The next month, you'll go, you'll go tit for tat here. You do the first one, I'll and I'll wrap. Okay, well, as, second I, one. as I mentioned earlier in the show, we talked about 1970 was the first woman jockey at uh, Kentucky Derby, Deanne uh, Crump. But uh, this weekend, the sixth of May, or the one uh, of the truly iconic horse races in the world, held in Louisville, Kentucky, the Derby. It really disappoints when it comes to such a spectacle. There's still just enough time to grab yourself a three-piece suit or cocktail dress if you're there and a hat be appropriately attired whilst watching presumably uh, presumably presumably with a um, with a pims in hand pims yeah Uh, we've obviously got the US PGA from the 18th to 21st of May uh, one of the majors out there at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester New York um, a historic golf course that should hopefully provide an exciting field with a chance to win one of the greatest prizes in golf. Who's I, I hope um, I hope Leon's gonna uh, going to play play that at his golf. Club. He Would got it, a little wouldn't it be good? He got a little write up, didn't he? He did. Yeah, I didn't. I, I saw the the snippet, but I didn't read into it. Maybe he's uh, maybe Leon's listening now. But let's say well, I wonder if we can get Leon to uh, on the on on the Sunday to do something down in his little cabin down. He's got a fabulous setup down there with the simulator. Yes, and, and the TV, the beautiful couch. Yeah. Maybe we could get the uh, we Let's could get the pims on down there. I'm just uh, speaking to the higher powers here, trying to sort out that blue tick at the moment. Nathan, we have, <laughs> uh, see the Monaco Grand Prix. Nathan, yep, the Monaco Grand Prix. From so from a pure bracing point of view, the Monaco Grand Prix is usually quite unspectacular, isn't it? It's okay, all about it's the qualifying, so, isn't it? Well, it is. The, the, the narrow street circuit provides very few overtaking opportunities, but as a spectacle. It obvious well it certainly is one of the best events on the calendar with views over the Monte Carlo Marina, which is a big part of the coverage. It's a chance to to also to pick out your next mega mega yacht. Have you been down there on the basin in Monaco? I played a rugby thing down in Monaco years ago. So we've seen, you know, the familiar it's almost like the little hook, isn't it, where yep. part of the track is. Obviously it's Casino Royale, the most uh, the most recent Casino Royale with uh, Daniel Craig is there. 
That's uh, where that all takes bring, place. Always, always, always. It's one of my favourite scenes in that movie where, he, you know when he wins like 150 million in the poker game <laughs> and the guy's like livid so he storms off the table. And watch it next time. And there's a bit where he just goes for you and just casually chucks a million to the dealer. I'm like, what a boss. <laughs> what a boss. Uh, that, that same weekend, the uh, 28th of May, you've got the Indianapolis 500, part of Motor Racing's Triple Crown, um, alongside the Monaco Grand Prix and the Le Mans 24-hour endurance race. It's possibly the biggest day in American sport with a potential crowd of 250,000 people to watch people drive around in a circle. Diesel it's heads also, at his finest, mate, right? Also, 28th of May, get it in the diary. It's the final day of the Premier League will they or won't they will it be City will it be Arsenal it's a City's to lose now isn't it after beating Arsenal pumping Arsenal the other day I think City have still got a couple of games or or got a game in hand as well so Uncle Pete yeah with with, and with City being on the form that they're in I don't I can't see it we're going to be stuck to the couch because the 28th of May is also the first day of uh, the French Open, the only Grand Slam tournament to be played on clay. Uh, unique chance for otherwise unherited players to make a name for themselves. Obviously, Rafa Nadal, that's where he was early on in his career. That's where he was truly untouchable, wasn't that's he? That's right. Clay. Yeah, well, that's twenty. That's a, that's day one of the French Open is the 28th of May. It's not until that, that concludes on the 11th of, of June. Um Staying in June, on the 10th of June is the uh, Champions, UEFA Champions League final, the biggest annual event in European football, set to take place at Ataturk um, Olympic Stadium. Uh, obviously, that's in Istanbul, Turkey. Will Real Madrid continue their dominance of the to- uh, tournament? Will it be Pep's Man City, who we just talked about? Will they finally overcome their hoodoo? I don't think, yeah, Pe- well, you know, he hasn't won a t- um, uh, that. Uh, European Cup with Manchester nope, City he has not. he's done it with Barcelona and I think he yeah Barcelona did it he didn't do it with um, Bayern did he um, the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of the NBA finals are currently the favourites for obviously the NBA crown uh, but you've also got the Celtics and the 76ers hot on their tails in the Eastern Conference you've also got the Suns and the Nuggets in the mix as well uh, Stanley Cup ice hockey massive event it's these. It's the finals, isn't it? You know, where you play a certain number of matches and stuff. So it's a. It really is getting to the end of the season. It's not just about one game. It's showing that consistency over the. Um, well, you, you you can be leading. You can do very well in the season. But like the NRLs, a bit like that, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. if you finish top, okay, we might get a home semi. But yeah, exactly. still, knockout footy, knockout uh, so you, ice hockey. It's the Colorado Avalanche obviously won it last year. So will they retain it? But you've also got the Boston Bruins. Um, who could get their name on that enormous piece of silverware? What else you got for us? What else? Yeah, we've also got the US Open Championship uh, on the fifteenth to eighteenth of June. At uh, yeah, the eighteenth of June looks set to be a crazy day in sports history with potentially the NBA, the NHL, and the US Open all being decided at once. Um, the one hundred twenty third edition of the US Open has been held at the Los Angeles Country Club and almost always provides serious entertainment. The Ashes, I mean, we talk about having too much international cricket at the moment, but for me, it doesn't get any better than this, you know, watching the Ashes or sit, and hopefully, I'll even listen to it on Test Match Special on uh, Radio 5. Uh, Would you rather beat Australia in cricket, or would you rather beat India in cricket? Too big. (sighs) India in India. India in India. Like, even that legendary Australia team, did they... 
they managed might have managed it once or something like that. But yeah, there are certain things that are certainly certainly up there. I mean, traditionally the Aussies were untouchable for years, weren't they? And then in two thousand and five, they talk about that epic series that sort of turned it on its head. But I think people forget that you can win it in the in England, but to win it in Australia, there was the one where you know Mitchell Johnson. That's where he went to town and was. You know, with that, with the big Aussie handlebar moustache yeah. was steaming in off the boundary and trying to take boys' heads off. Mate, I was there. I, I watched it at MCG Boxing Day Test 2010. We sat. I sat down for um, sat down for lunch at about 11:30 because I got a bit peckish. And they're all and they're, they're all out, Australia are all out on 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 day one. Rem- uh, remarkable. And actually, to be to be fair, that whole series was a whitewash. Obviously, uh, England being coached by a Kiwi. Yep. So, so they'll go with their, what do they call it, Baz ball approach. Ball, yeah, um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's an interesting one how the uh, how how sports changed, isn't it? Because you wouldn't have a Kiwi coach in England. Do is that going? Are the All Blacks going to stay in that mould? You know, obviously Scott Robinson's coming in, or do you see somebody who is not a Kiwi well, taking we switch, on that? Have we switch over to rugby? No, most definitely we will. We will only ever have. Well, I shouldn't say ever, 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 because you never know. But I could never see a um, another coach looking after the All Blacks. Not Eddie Jones looking after the Own Blacks, no. No, certainly not. He can. No, I just think we've got we've got let's say too much talent, and I think we still want to play our own brand of rugby. Yeah. And it's nice to see it coming through. I'm still very surprised when you, when we say Razor Robinson take um, coming into the All Blacks. I'm still very surprised. It's it's. You know, All Blacks or New Zealand rugby's got a very conservative, stalwart kind of approach to things. So, to name a coach who's now named Leo McDonald um, as one of his full back uh, outside uh, centre. Uh, yep, yep. Went to Mul- uh, Marlborough Boys, uh, uh, rugby player, um, but um, and has done also done a very stellar job with Auckland, um, uh, uh, the Blues in the in the Super Rugby. So quite interesting that they've already named the next All Black coach before a World Cup. Certainly puts a lot more pressure on Fozzie if he didn't have any any pressure beforehand. Um, yeah, no, very, very, yeah, I'm surprised about that. First to, th- tw- changing the subject though, first to the 23rd of July, the big Tour de France start. Starting in the Basque city of Bilbao, it often starts at some in, in, other, uh, in other places. Well, I remember in t- uh, 2003 it started here in Luxembourg but this year's tour looks set to be exciting as ever with Slovenian uh, Taj Podkart the favourite but expect to see Frenchman David Good, uh, Galdu or hot on his heels so um, always always impressive it's to watch that uh, in the middle of summer so, so watching these boys climb up those hills is 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 done we're going let's go to a stage let's go to a stage and come you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times I just up want a video going. of us running up in a fancy dress <laughs> con- costume after a couple of years that'd be classy yep. um, obviously Wimbledon's coming up as well from the 3rd of July to the 16th um, the tennis world will descend on SW19 will we see Boris Becker there commentating after his Recent stint in the can. Would you? Would um, you? Would you like to see him in the in the com box? I don't care. I do. I would. I would like to. See, I must admit, I'd like to see him. I, I you know, he was, he was been around in the well, not been around the recent years, but he has certainly been around in the BBC comms box for yeah, a long I mean, time. Yeah, he's good so. at what he does, but you know, it's he's, uh, he's one one brush for will one. They, will they? Will they let him in the country? Yeah, well, you don't no, know. I, I don't know. You know, are they going to let the Russians play? Um, but as always, the Pims will be flying. 
go and have a day on the pint, on the pims, you know. I told you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just makes me smile. Strawberries and cream. Uh, Spectators should be given a great spectacle, as always. Can Djokovic retain his crown, or is there one of these young bucks coming Well, there's a few of them out there, a few of that. Closer to your neck of the woods. My hood, mate. You call me if you ever come up here, huh? (laughs) The British Grand Prix on the 7th to 9th of July, held at the iconic Silverstone Circuit, is one of the premier stops on the Formula One circuit, as I mentioned with Monaco earlier with drivers hurtling around the iconic uh, uh, cops uh, corner at ludicrous speed. This is the oldest race on the calendar and, uh, and and the one that most drivers are desperate to win. That's interesting. And then after that, in the summer, 10th of July, it kicks off to the 20th of August. You've got the Women's Football World Cup. This is probably the most exciting edition, um, given that you've got even more teams um, to challenge the the normally dominant USA team. England looking uh, pretty formidable off the back of their Euro win in 2022. But Germany and Spain are right in the mix as well. And there's obviously all that traction we've been following about the sponsors who are involved and some players saying that if these sponsors are obviously, um, you know, going to be putting money into it then they won't be playing but I'm quite interested to see if they'll put their money where their mouth is when it comes to that sort of yeah, thing Yeah I think so too Listen, in a couple of days time well, on Sunday we have uh, Paul Kramer the swimmer that's oh. coming to join us in the studio Now uh, you recently were in touch with uh, Paula weren't you because she is not just any ordinary swimmer I think she swims the long the long distance stuff. Yeah, she open, open did the channel as well, didn't the, she? Did the, 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 the channel, the open water. So it's going to be really interesting. Oh, could, you, could you imagine doing the channel? Oh, 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 not they, for they, me, my friend. You, I've watched, watched videos of people do it, and they cover you up in fat, don't they? To do it, to obviously try and insulate your uh, your uh, your body. Also, further down the line, we've got Gaston Farage. Yep, and I, and I believe his that he's away this weekend, isn't he? He's in Denmark with um. Well, he's in, he, he's the president of the power lifting uh, the world world power power power. so that's going to be interesting to have him in but I think this weekend um, his son Philip Parage is in Denmark competing in the what was it plus 120 plus 120 very good work on that bench press as always a huge shout out to the army of volunteers out there who make our sporting world tick whether it's washing kit marking out the pitches coaching driving lifts peeling the oranges whatever you do Changing changing tactics on the footy Put, putting your goalkeeper hey. up front to his scores you know what <laughs> I mean well done Scott Brown um, yeah huge thank you to them as always you can join in for the breakfast show from 6am tomorrow morning you've got steps with the lunchbox at 12 you've got Melissa Dalton from uh, uh, 3 o'clock as well with the home stretch you've got Sarah Tap with the hangover and you've got Dave Burrows with the DB3 show yeah um, for yeah. The, from the two boys at Today Radio it is Chirp from the band Editors, and you're listening to RTL Today Radio. How do people get that wrong? RTL Today Radio. Yo, everyone, this is Miles Kane. You're listening to RTL Radio Today. Enjoy it. Hi, this is Thor Florim of The Start, and you're listening to RTA, RT. <laughs> okay. Let me do that again. Hello, I'm Charlotte Plank, and I'm listening... Oh, no. <laughs> Hello, this is Jason from Sleaford Mods, and you are listening to what shit, was it? RTL... Today Radio. Today Radio. So, shall I say... Hello, this is Gregory Porter, and you're listening to Radio Today. Did I say that? Hello, it's Ben from Biffy here, and you're listening to Today Radio. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Masterpiece. You're listening to RTL Radio. No. Oh, look again. Look again. Hey, 